Let me guess, you signed up for every free lead magnet and binged on every marketing YouTube video and thought, what am I missing? Why isn't my business exploding like that? Well, I can tell you, you're not alone. Whether you're just getting started or have an established business, entrepreneurship can be really lonely, but it doesn't have to be. Overcoming your fear of launching or building your personal brand or figuring out how to scale, it shouldn't be holding you back. It should be empowering you. On this podcast, we're going to deep dive into the mechanics of what it takes to build your brand, make your mark, and stake your claim in the digital marketing space. I'll be chatting with people from all walks of life and stages in their careers. I will be getting inspiration from real experts who will share their actual strategies and techniques to grow loyal and raving followings and sell more stuff. This is entrepreneurship from people who are already there making it happen. My name is Jeff Mendelson. Join me and welcome to the One Big Tip Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. And today I'm really pleased to have with me Dr. Benjamin Ritter on the line. Dr. Ritter is a leadership coach, speaker, author, and mentor focused on guiding others to create the career that they love. So, Dr. Ritter, welcome to the show. I am so happy to be here. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining me today. So I'd like to know a little bit more about your background, how you got to how you got to where y- you are today, and also like how you got started in coaching. Like it just seems like a, you know, like a, like a career that a lot of people are going into. Some are better qualified than others, of course. Mm-hmm. I'd like to know your perspective on how you uh, on how you got started with all this. Yeah. So just a quick high level overview. I was a healthcare executive that felt pretty stuck and it was really affecting my mental and physical health. Like I, I went into work each and every day dreading going into work. Uh, I was underutilized. Uh, I had autonomy, but I also had ambiguity for my leaders. So I, I could do whatever I wanted, but didn't know what I was supposed to do. And because of that, I started becoming resentful towards my work. I started pushing, you know, pushing away social relationships. I stopped volunteering for work that I enjoyed doing. And that just build on itself to become, it becomes a vicious cycle to one point where you're just like willing, it's just, you're, you're ready to break. And, one of the days that I was ready to break, I was going into work, dreading it again, looking around me. And it just seemed that everybody that passed me by on the sidewalk, because I could walk to work, it was that, it was that good of a job. Like location, pay, uh, like I said, autonomy, people around me are actually really great. It just, something about the work itself made me feel like I wasn't being utilized or that it was meaningful. And so I'm, I'm walking to work, I'm looking around me, and it just seemed like everybody felt the same exact way. <laughs> it was just like, why am I doing this to myself? And why are other people doing this to themselves? And there has to be, there has to be a solution. And I realized that mainly I was the problem. And so I started trying to figure out how I could craft my work to best fit me. So what was, what was I passionate? I started really asking the hard questions. What was I passionate about? Where were my strengths? What challenges did I want to face? And that led me down the path of professional development and eventually coaching. Because I didn't try coaching first. I didn't want to be a coach. I wanted to work in talent development and leadership development. And I initially went to my, my leader and said, this is what I want to do. They said, great, we'll get you involved with some projects. I said, great solution. I found, I found the answer. 
but then nothing actually happened. Like the people that I was working with in corporate didn't really move forward on projects. We got acquired again. So that ended up stopping all the projects that I was working on. And so then the next option was go get a job in the field go find somewhere else, someone else that wants to hire you for this. But I had no experience in it that was on paper that I could talk to. So it would have been a huge pay cut. So then the third option, because of my background in entrepreneurship, my background in coaching, and eventually my doctorate in organizational leadership was to go start a business. And that was that ended up becoming the path of least resistance, which led me to where I am today. Now, coaching is a whole other story. There were so many little milestones and ser- like serendipitous points along the way that made coaching the answer. But I think from a high level, that's why I am now you know, the founder of Live For Yourself Consulting and work one-on-one with clients and do corporate workshops, et cetera. That's an amazing story. You know, it's interesting that, you know, a lot of people start out, you know, especially especially when we're really young, you know, like uh, getting out of high school, you know, and trying to figure out what it is that we're doing. And we think that we're going into these safe careers, right? You know, if you go into law or you go in or you go into, uh, you know, some kind of business degree and then you realize like, you know, you just have this big revelation moment of like, yeah, this kind of sucks. You know, and then it's like, all right, how do I fix this? Like, how do I get around it? And it can be tough, right? I mean, if you don't have that self-awareness, you know, to actually, you know, break apart what exactly is vexing me here, right? Because it could be, well, I just have a really crappy boss. Or like you said, it could just be me, right? And then, you know, it's it's like a really big, you know, you can toss that ball around. How do you help people, though, figure out that it's not the environment that they're in, that it's actually their mindset, you know, that is really holding them back. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's two areas here that influence employee job satisfaction. It's the employee themselves, and then it's the leader as well. So from an employee standpoint, from you, you know, I was going in and work expecting my organization to give me meaning, which is just not an equation that works. You can't give someone an emotion. The person, you know, we as individuals are responsible for our emotions. So it's, it's helping other people feel more accountable first off for their levels of enjoyment at work and then helping them break down what job satisfaction is. Job, satisfa- job satisfaction is really simple. It's three main pillars. It's the actual work you're doing. Do you, do you love it? Are you doing more work that energizes you or are you focusing on work that you dislike? It's the social relationships, the people you interact with. So who are you ga- engaging with on a daily basis and who is draining you? Again, it's kind of the same thing as work. So are you distancing yourself from the people that drain you, the work that drains you and bringing yourself closer towards work that energizes you and people that energize you? And then are you connected to the actual values behind the work itself, the meaning behind it? So what brought you to get the degree that you have that brought you to the job that you have? What what motivated you to get a, a position at the employer in the first place? What is the impact that the organization is having on the world around you? And how do you get yourself out of the work? Because when we're in the work, we can't focus on these thoughts. We can't come up with answers. We can't be creative. We can't be innovative. So can you step away from the work and ask yourself these big questions and then reconnect and remind yourself to that meaning on a daily basis? That's all job satisfaction is. Plus, you know, do you, do you feel you have a clear path forwards? And do you feel challenged? Like, and if you have those things, and you can basically make those things in so many different places, that, and you're in control of all those things, it almost doesn't matter where you work a lot of the times. You know, that's really interesting. The way I tell my story is that I was tremendously underutilized in my corporate jobs. And every time I tried to break through, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a glass ceiling, but it was just like, Hey guys, I have this really good idea. And I was like, okay, Jeff, you know, nice pat on the head, you know, thank you so much. Can you please just go back to, you know, whatever it is that you were doing. And it was just so intensely frustrating, 
you know, that I, it's like, guys, I'm trying to make a difference here. I'm trying to improve things here. Why aren't you at least considering it? And it got to the point where I was just like, you know, something, yeah. All right. You know, I'm just going to show up because, you know, it's easy. And, you know, collecting a paycheck every two weeks is relatively easy compared to being an entrepreneur where you have to make this happen for you each and every month. Right. You know, cash flow, it's a real thing, you know, that you got to think about, you know. So let's segue into your one big tip. And, you know, this is really timely because uh, we're recording this now in a time where a lot of our communities are still are still on relative lockdown or in a big lockdown. Like, you know, the, it's it's not pleasant to go into an office. Right. And a lot of the people that are, you know, that may be working for you, you know, like they don't want to go in. I mean, I was just in my we work here in Miami last week and there were three people in the whole, you know, in the, on the whole floor. Right. And it's like, like, even though it's there, even though I was able to go to go and show up, it was just it, it's just not fun anymore. Right. It's just not pleasant. So, I mean, I get that you have the what do you call it? The, um, you know, if you can set up a nice uh, work from home setup or you don't have little kids that are, you know, that are always banging on your door. If you have a place where you can concentrate, that's great. But there are some real challenges in managing a remote team, which you probably didn't have. If you had them, you know, that you could, you know, look at them and meet with them in your office. Let's talk about your one big tip. What are some tips for managing a team remotely and specifically how we can help motivate them to keep up that same type of output that they did have in the office before? And thank you for sharing your own challenges, by the way, because I don't even want to go to a co-working space right now. It's like the energy is different. And so how do we take that? How do we change the energy where we're working right now? And that can be difficult in the home environment because it's not just us. It's our families. It's our pets. It's our neighbors. It's I mean, people were mowing the lawn a second ago. And I was like, are they going to stop? I have to record a podcast. Right. <laughs> uh, in but what's really important for leaders to remember when it comes to managing remote teams and motivating them and ensuring a high level of productivity is that job satisfaction for a remote team or in-person team is it goes along the same framework. Like it's it really isn't rocket science, but it's asking yourself the same questions and coming up with new answers. Because there's a there's a different way of building trust remotely than there is to building trust in person. But there are the same factors. So how do you build trust when you're in person? Well, you you have communication that doesn't just relate to do work or doesn't just relate to criticism or negativity. And so when you are now managing your remote team and you have meetings, is it very, is it very, this is what we need to do? Or is it, how's everybody doing? And so it's, again, like, think about how you're acting in person and then let's translate that and move it to a remote environment. So the first, so I have a, a system, kind of like a checklist for leaders to follow. It's for the in-person or the remote environment. It's called the team model of managing to motivate. And the whole, it's founded on this idea that leaders are not responsible for the actions or the emotions of their employees. They're responsible for crafting an environment that helps them feel the, the positive emotions and to be motivated and to be engaged, which then leads to higher productivity, et cetera, exactly what you want as a leader. But we don't really, as a leader, you don't have control over the actual remote environment. So we have to get a little bit more strategic to figure out ways that we can influence that environment to to then right influence the employee. Because in in person, when we're in person, we can ensure the resources of it. We can ensure who's working together. We can ensure that we're we're getting up there and talking to them on a daily basis or weekly basis. We can ensure that you know we know what work they're working on. And so when we're in the remote environment, how do we do those same things but do it 
in a way with with the tools that we have right now. So just a, a couple tips would be during your check-ins, I kind of hinted at this, make sure that you're not just talking about work, that you're actually talking about the person and you're you're really calling out the fact that we're in a different time, that this is this is not, I don't like this word, but it's not normal. And it's important to call that out because you need to give permission to your employees to make space for themselves and to give, give themselves time to kind of recalibrate and to deal with the stressors of their home environment because they are very different than the work environment. So if you give them permission, if you call like by calling it out and then basically giving them an example of what you're doing for yourself at home. Oh, I take breaks every hour and a half, two hours, or by making it a point by ending meetings, potentially 15 minutes early and saying, take these 15 minutes. to just go do you take a breath, walk around, relax. And so how are you ensuring that you are building that level of trust and communication with your employees that you would be building in an in-person environment or remote environment? And so there's a few other pillars that I'd like to go through from the team model. If we have a little bit more time. Sure. I'd love to hear it. Okay. So when I mentioned the environment a few, a few times and in the in-person environment, super easy to control, right? You have tech support, you know, what computer they're using. Herman Miller chairs. (laughs) What was that? Herman Miller chairs. Yeah. You have, you have great chairs and, but at at the home environment, you have no control over that. And so I want to see organizations and leaders saying, do you have the camera that you need? Do you have the microphone that you need? Do you have the software on your computer? What does your home office look like? Send me a picture and then send them something that would improve their home office. I know we're limited on budget, so let's get creative. Childcare, like, or, or even, you know, helping out with homeschooling in some way, some resources that you can provide as an organization. How are you trying to ensure that the environment that your employees are working in is oriented towards them being more engaged, satisfied, less stressed, and more productive? And I, I, I just see people getting sent home and being like, okay, good luck. And we, we, we as organizations, as leaders, we have control over this. So how can you help influence this better? You know, it's interesting that you say that because on the one hand, and I've been an advocate of this for years, right? It's like, God damn it. I'm an adult, right? You know, don't tell me how to, uh, you know, don't tell me how to manage my time. That was really like my big gripe with working in corporate, right? It's like, why do I have to be here until six? I finished my work at 1130, right? You know, it's like, but for you not to trust me that the work is actually already done and have to be in the office until X time, or if I want to do it after I put the kids to bed, right? That should... You know, like I should be able to define that, you know, aside from the scheduled meetings and the conference calls and all that that do get scheduled. Right. But for the most part, you know, there are 24 hours in the day. I just should have a little bit more flexibility, I would think, working from home so that I can utilize that time efficiently. Right. I would hope so. And what's really scary is I was listening to a presentation the other day by a major corporation. I don't want to name any names. And they were saying how they use certain technologies to track their employees' phones. And I was like, this is, this is ridiculous. Like the, we need to trust our employees to do the work that they, that they are hired to do. And if they don't do that work, then you take action. And so most organizations that I hear from are not like that. And they do empower their employees to work when they want, which is one of the greatest benefits of remote work other than those scheduled meetings. And as a leader too, think about when you're scheduling meetings. Do people on your team have kids? So when are they getting up? When are they feeding? When are they schooling? And like, so one of the greatest things you can do as a leader is to get a great, like a really good understanding of your employees and their lives and their schedules, not to control them, but to actually help work with those, with those schedules. And that's when you look at the whole team model of managing to motivate, it's basically a conversation checklist for you to find that stuff out. 
It's like, so the other pillars, you know, in, uh, you can flesh out environment more because it looks at what issues are they having with their customers? Who are they talking to on a daily basis? So do you have time for water cooler talk just for your employees to vent, not just meetings to do work? Because you have that at work, but you don't have that in the, in the remote environments. So you actually have to build that in. It is a really critical way for employees to connect and to get some stress away. And, you know, you can, you can change the work to best fit them. We talked about that a little bit in terms of helping employees focus on work they love to do, lessening the work they dislike to do, and ensuring that they feel empowered to talk about the work they don't like to do without being criticized or, you know, to, to have points put against them. Uh, but most importantly, I want to highlight this, this pillar of meaning. And so when you're having these non-work conversations, are you highlighting the personal aspects of your life that bring you joy and that energize you? Because as a leader, if you're not saying it, your employees aren't going to feel empowered to say it. So bring that up. Say that you also empower them to do the work when they need to do the work. And that if something's coming up that gets in the way that Remote work is flexible by definition. So that's great too, because you trust them. So having these types of conversations, making sure that you're, you're hitting these big points that make that give your employees permission to feel good about what they're doing, to call out issues that they're having and feel more connected with, with their work and feel and it's easier to do their work would lead to will lead to uh, like such such a great place to work. I want all organizations to have this type of leadership, this focus on on just like a, a humanistic style. Uh, of individualism and, and crafting an environment to fit each person, not just some uh, overbearing style of leadership to do the work and then you get paid. So thank you for letting right. me get on my soapbox for a minute. <laughs> no, that, no, that's great. You know, one thing I wanted to add to it, you know, when we were able to travel, one of the, one of the biggest things, uh, what, what I view as a critical factor in my success was flying out to meet the people that I work with remotely in person. Right. And that was huge because, you know, I would go, I would go to Israel. I would go to Europe. I would go to Argentina. The only place I haven't been is India, you know, where the, I have a few Indian programmers there as well. But, you know, it's like I show up there and, you know, they're just like really happy to, happy to see you. And then it's like, well, hey, oh, by the way, how many of your other, you know, like, uh, you know, contractors or, uh, you know, people that work with you have actually made the effort to fly and meet you? And, and the, you know, then their eyes just glaze over and like, uh, no, you're it. You know, and it's such a great feeling because once you break bread with somebody, you know, it just changes the relationship completely. And I would say to the extent that you're able to do that, you know, even if you have to, you know, take some different kind of measures in order to, you know, in order to make that happen, whether you're traveling domestically or internationally, I view it as a critical part of, you know, my success, being able to say that I've met this person, I've, uh, you know, I broke bread with them had a beer with them, you know, whatever it is. And it just makes that, uh, it just makes that engagement so much more memorable when you go back to watching this person in a postage stamp size screen, you know, on your phone, you know? Yeah, I do. I do hope when this is released that we are able to do that more and more. I'd say mm -hmm. I, I would really, really hope for that. And because it, it can be very, very exhausting to look at video. And another tip for leaders, if you want to help manage remote teams, don't make it mandatory to be on video for every call. There's more and more studies that are coming out that are showing that it takes more energy to, to be on video. You actually listen less because you're more worried about how you look and you're looking at other people's faces and you do tend to get distracted. So I highly recommend that. That's an interesting, uh, that's an interesting point. I, I, you know, I never would have thought that just the fact of being on video and it's, you know, it's one thing, you know, you know, putting on a shirt, but then not worrying about the pants 
deal, right? You know, but there are, you know, we've all seen those funny gaffes of people taking the phone to the bathroom and, you know, things like that. But, uh, you know, you're right, is that you do have to, you know, really put in this extra effort in order to make yourself presentable, right? And then it's like, you know, why am I making myself presentable for these people? You know, just so I look a little bit better on camera, you know? (laughs) And it's like, it's almost comical because I see, you know, like I see my wife when she gets on her Zoom calls, you know, she'll like run to the bathroom and like put on the makeup and all that. I'm like, why? You know, like, like really? She's like, no, no, I, I got to look presentable. And yeah, Zoom has okay. a pretty feature. You can turn it on. I don't know. If you go to yeah. settings. It makes you look all smooth and perfect. Right. It smooths out the skin and all that, right? What other tips do you have for improving motivation? especially among remote workers, right? Because it's one thing to, you know, just talk about it, you know, just, you know, be open and honest. But, you know, that, you know, that whole discussion, at least in my opinion, kind of gets old. It's like, okay, yeah, we all know that, you know, we all know how hard it is, right? And I think that being just a little bit more sensitive to each individual's needs you know, the one, you know, the employee that has, you know, small kids at home versus the employee that has teenagers at home, completely different worlds, right? Those are completely different dynamics that they need to work with. What other tips do you have that could help motivate somebody from afar and, you know, help them help them become a better employee? So I'll start off with one just fun one and then I'll do one more technical. Sure. So a fun one would be think about how you can engage virtually and not even sending them a gift box, maybe sending them a virtual gift box. So record a quick video as a leader, thanking them for something they've done, and then include either a gift card or a couple of just funny, you could do some memes, just some sort of virtual gift box to show that you're caring, you're thinking about them. Your job as a remote leader is so much more about ensuring that your employees think that you care about them and that you're thinking about them. So you have to really focus and kind of think out of the box on how you can do that. And that's one quick tip. Another one is to actually create virtual backgrounds for your employees to use on Zoom calls. And they could be company related, which are sometimes fun. They could be, you could use like funny backgrounds. I've used the Simpsons and the Friends and Cheers and different things and have your company logo kind of in the background too, if you'd like. Uh, but also ones that relate to meaning and that are more inspirational as well. Even sending them something to keep on their desk uh, at, in their, at home that helps them remember why they're doing what they're doing at a grander scale and not just about the work itself. So those are my fun ones. You know, that's interesting. The fun things that I have on my desk, right? I got these little bobblehead Star Wars uh you know, Star Wars figurines, right? You know, the little $2 ones you get at GameStop. And, um, you know, they're, they're the more obscure characters from the Star Wars universe. But it's just, it, you know, it's, it, it's really something that every time I show someone a photo of my desktop setup, you know, it's, it's like I always get comments like, why do you have Lando on your, you know, on your desktop? Or why do you have a Knight of Ren and all that? And they're just like, all right, cool. You know, it just, it brings out a little bit of their personality, but it also, you know, like it, it's, it's sort of grounded, right? That's, it's not just work here. Right. And, um, you know, also with like, you know, some of the toys that I bought for myself, like a really long, uh, mouse pad that has the, that has the gamer lights around it, you know, that changes colors or the mechanical keyboard, you know, that I've always wanted to get, you know, that makes this whole project so much more enjoyable. Right. And that, you know, just being able to work from home instead of fitting everything into my backpack and, you know, and running off to a WeWork each and every time, right? Yeah, if you have as a company too, the ability or even a leader, I mean, if you're making 10 times more than your employees, think about what can I get them to, for, to make it easier for them to enjoy working from home more. This goes into the environment 
pillar that we talked about. Like I have these computer glasses. I just pop them on. And when I wear them, because I'm still oh, those funky yellow ones that make you yeah. look really techy. When I don't get I don't get headaches anymore now when I wear these. My eyes aren't strained. And so then what like what would what would think about your employees right now, what they're going through, this new this new world, and how can you help them feel better in it? And if you help anyone feel better, even for a, a minute, they are going to be more attached to you and trust you more, which is what we're going for as leaders. That's amazing advice. Thank you so much for that. Can you please take a minute to let everyone know how they can learn more about uh, about your business and how they can reach out to you directly if they'd like to learn more? Yeah, and I'm going to mix in because I said I was going to give two tips. So the second one is just getting really, really clear on what the goals are for weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual goals. It's a lot easier to be clear when you're in person. So we need to be very definitive as, as leaders for our employees so they, they don't feel that there's a lack of clarity. A lack of clarity is one of the greatest drains of energy for an employee. They, if, you, if your employees lack clarity, they're looking for another job, I promise you. So to add on to that, <laughs> I, I've experienced hear, that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you want to, if you want to hear more about that point or anything else that I've been talking about today, just go to liveforyourselfconsulting.com. That's liveforyourselfconsulting.com. And if you just want to reach out to me, I'm really active on LinkedIn. Just look up Dr. Benjamin Ritter. Amazing stuff. Dr. Ritter, thank you so much for, for joining me today. This is really interesting discussion and I love all the tips that you dropped on us today. So thank you very much for joining me. And thank you so much for having me.